Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of The Circuit. I am delighted to be joined this afternoon by Joanna Milinchek, who is the Dean of the Luddy School and a professor in Intelligent Systems Engineering here at Indiana University in Bloomington, and also by David Crandall, who is a professor of computer science and the director of the Luddy School for Artificial Intelligence, also here in Bloomington. And Joanna and David want to welcome you this afternoon. I think everybody knows Indiana University, but everybody doesn't necessarily know all that is involved with the Luddy School. Could, could the two of you take a couple of moments to share the programs and the initiatives that reside under the umbrella of the Luddy School? Well, the Luddy School actually is on two campuses. So we've got the Luddy School here in Bloomington, and then we also have um, the Luddy School up in Indianapolis. And uh, we have some programs are in common and some programs are, are different on the two different campuses. Uh, both campuses started out as informatics schools, you know, so they just had informatics. Um, down here in Bloomington, uh, what happened was that computer science joined, library science joined the school. And then in 2016, uh, the Department of Intelligence Systems Engineering was established. And that uh, engineering department is now ABET and accredited. Up in Indianapolis, uh, we've got a number of departments. So we have um, bio and health informatics. We've got human-centered engineering, and we also have library sciences up in Indianapolis. And then we also have some really great centers. The Polis Center is up in Indianapolis. We also have the Indianapolis version of the, the Luddy AI Center as well up there and many other centers as well. So those are the programs in the centers uh, on the two schools. That's great, That's really, really helpful. So I, I know you come to Indiana University, that university was fortunate to woo you away from the University of Michigan, yeah. where you were there for nearly three decades. What attracted you to Indiana and to IU? Well, you know, I have to say that at first, you know, I, I just thought that I would come down and, and take a visit and check out the place because I was curious. Um, but really what won me over is the fact that, you know, the Luddy School is so unusual. There is no other school like it in the country and probably not even in the world. Because what happened, like I said before, this school started in 2000 as an informatics school. And then engineering is the last thing that came to it. Usually it's the other way around. You know, the engineering school started 200 years ago. And then as time goes on, you know, computer science joined and then, you know, informatics might come out of that. And so I really liked the way that, um, you know, it's, it's data first and how do you use data and how do you use information in a way that's completely different than what engineering normally does. So, so I found that to be really interesting. And also the fact that this isn't a traditional engineering school. Indiana University is really well known for psychology and education and languages and law and all of these other things. And so that really gave us an opportunity to do technology from a real human-centered point of view. And in fact, David, you said something to me very early on when we first met about how your career progressed. And I don't know if you remember what you said to me, I probably said something like that when I came here because there wasn't an engineering school and my degrees had been in engineering that 
uh, it sort of forced me to broaden what I was looking at. So instead of just sort of continuing in the same kind of research that I've been doing all along, it forced me actually to reach out to folks in psychology and biology and all the things you just actually And probably my careers had way bigger impact that way than yeah. I had just continued. So that is exactly what I'm talking about. That's what's possible here. And that's what's so exciting about the Luddy School. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to come to David in a second and ask a question about artificial intelligence. But I want to pull in the thread that you mentioned and connect the two. I think that the human-centered focus is a comment that you're hearing a lot as how do we future-proof our society? How do we future-proof roles um, given what is going to happen in a really short timeline with artificial intelligence? It often comes back to how do we lean into what makes us human and what are uniquely human attributes? It seems to me like Indiana University is uniquely positioned with the Letty School to lean into those opportunities and to address those challenges. I wonder, Jan, if you might reflect a little bit on how how it is that Luddy is uniquely positioned to help provide leadership for the state and for all of the students. Well, it's exactly what you said. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, psychology, cognitive sciences, learning sciences, you know, Indiana University is really very well known for, for those things. And so bringing those, those things together to look at artificial intelligence, I think is going to be really important. Um, and we have a history of doing that sort of thing. So I'm just going to give an example in a different area. Um, cybersecurity is a very important aspect, um, perhaps not as sexy, if you will, as AI these days, but still incredibly important. And we have, you know, a couple of degrees that leverage, you know, the technical, the business side, the law side. So, for instance, we have an undergraduate degree between the Luddy School and the Hamilton Luger School of International and Global Studies. I think I got that name right. Um, and then a graduate degree master's degree that's between the Luddy School, the Kelly School of Business, and the law school. You know, and so, because really when, when it comes to cybersecurity, you need all of these different aspects working together. Similarly, in AI, you need a lot of different aspects coming together. And it's interesting because we have uh, an, an initiative going on right now where we're trying to really build up um, a group of artificial, human and artificial intelligence research because as you learn as you teach a computer how to learn that actually reflects a lot about how people can learn and vice versa and so it's it it's really great to have these researchers together here and other engineering schools you know a lot of what they focus on is like the hardcore algorithms and you know the the really deep technical stuff which is incredibly important i don't want to diminish that at all. It is so important. But that human aspect and the ethical aspect, and what does that mean about cognitive sciences and how we learn and how we interact in this world? I mean, those are really the things that are more existential. Absolutely. Absolutely. David, I want to turn to you and ask a, a connected question. So first, congratulations on opening the new physical center for artificial intelligence. I know you recent rib ribbon cutting. Um, so I think a lot of our listeners know a lot about artificial intelligence, but a lot don't know anything at all. How would you explain the kind of AI research that's occurring at Indiana University and the applications to put it in a context that makes it easier to folks to understand? Sure. Um, well, so I think Joanna did a really good job of talking about what some of our folk guys here are. 
Um, I think if I wanted to talk about sort of the history of AI more broadly, like AI is not a new area. It's something that's being studied, been studied for 50, 60 or 70 years at this point. And um, I think for much of that point, well, here, I'll make it personal. I got in the field about 25 years ago, and I've been working in AI all that time. I've been, I'm a computer scientist, so I work on sort of the technical aspects of it. Specifically, I work in computer vision, which is trying to get uh, computers to be able to see the world around them, which is really important for applications like self-driving cars and robotics and things like that, organizing photos on your phone, the sorts of applications like that. Um, but I think for most of that time, at least for me, the reason I was in the field is that there were really cool technical challenges that I wanted to solve, um, really cool things, algorithms that needed to be developed, math that needed to be pushed forward and stuff. And it gave me an excuse to learn about all kinds of different areas like optics and human vision and cognitive science, in addition to computer science and engineering. Um, but I think what's happening right now is that these systems are suddenly becoming good enough that people are using them in the real world. And again, speaking just for myself, I wasn't prepared for that. Like I didn't write all of those papers for 25 years thinking about how they would be used or the impact they would have, positive and negative on people's lives. And so I think what, we'll, what we're seeing here and what we'll see in the future in AI is less about sort of, of the, the focus should be less about like creating systems that sort of try to replace people, like do the same things that people can do, like see the world around them better than people, but instead sort of building these teams and collaborations between people and systems to be able to do better than either one can do uh, on individually. And ultimately the goal, the reason that we're all here, I think, is to help make people's lives better. And so we need to figure out how AI can make people's lives better. And some of that is technical, developing algorithms that make fewer mistakes and so on. Some of it is um, ethical, understanding how these applicate, how, how these systems should and should not be applied. Some of it is legal. Some of it is application oriented, figuring out what are the exciting applications where AI should and again, should not be being used. Absolutely. And so I think you can have a really good debate just getting two people who are knowledgeable about AI in the room and asking them what's going to unfold over the next three to five years. Uh, so won't hold you to it. But, <laughs> but for folks who are wondering, what would, what would you say are the ways in which AI will most closely touch people's lives over the next three to five years? Some, some ways in which AI will be very visible. And again, recognizing the history, it's already out there. It's deeply embedded in many of the applications. When, when you make a purchase at Amazon, when you're watching a film on Netflix, RNA is shaping our lives. But what, what do you think some of, the, what some of the current advances are going to be that folks will most notice in their daily lives? Well, I mean, like you said before, I mean, AI has been around for a while now. And, you know, if you go to Amazon and you try to, you want to buy something, it'll show you things that are similar. Um, that's an AI. Uh, you know, uh, when you're writing a document and, you know, it's, it's suggesting a different spelling or a different phrasing or checking your grammar, that's also AI. I think, you know, I did say that I didn't want to talk about ChatGPT, but here it comes. No, we need to talk. Yeah, we need, do we need to talk <laughs> we about ChatGPT? Okay. Um, you know, and I think that this is where people are really starting to freak out. Um, that is the technical term for it, um, because all of a sudden now, you know, you do a search or you, you, you ask ChatGPT to do something and it gives you this, you know, returns this response that seems like, 
a person should have written in it. And so now people are are really kind of nervous about this whole thing. Um, and I agree, you know, it's was fast. I mean, did you see it coming like, you know, a year ago? Would you have been like, oh, yes, we are going to be able to do this within yeah. a year's time? It's certainly, I never would have expected it would have captured our imagination the way that yeah. it has. I mean, those language models have been being worked on for quite some time. But, but actually, one of the sort of magic ingredients is they put a nice interface on it and they opened it up to the yeah, world. Right. Again, reminding us that the human is an essential part of these systems. Right. And, you know, so I hear from time to time that people are nervous, especially artists, that, well, you know, we have these AIs now that can compose a piece of music in the style of Rihanna or in the style of Kenny Rogers. And I'm like, okay, it can do that, but it's always imitating something that a person has done. So, you know, the AI is taking everything that came before and synthesizing it into something new. That's really cool. Is that creativity? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, is, you know, are, are AIs and bots going to be able to become creative on their own? I don't know. You know, and what does this say about like our own cognition, right? No. So is all... You know, what you and I do when we're creative, is that just copying and pasting little bits and pieces of things that we've seen in the past? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're embodied, so we get to move around the world. So we get to see like new things that the systems that are just downloading stuff from the Internet don't get to see. Is that the magic ingredient or is there something more magic up there? And well, yeah, I don't know either. But, you know, people also or the AIs, they get to go around the world instantaneously. Yeah, that's true. So they don't have a way. Yeah. In a completely different way. Right. Right. It's a great question. I mean, it it really is a fundamental question about, you know, what is sentience and what is intelligence and everything. Right. It's cool, but I'm hopeful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And great to hear about all of the exciting things that are happening in the Letty School and in artificial intelligence. But I know that's only part of the story. There's a lot to technology that isn't just HI, that isn't just AI, data science, systems engineering, all that's going on with a human applied perspective. Talk about other things that you see. Where where is the Letty School going over the next 10 years or so with its vision for how to save future technology leaders and innovators? Why don't you start? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or not. I did question. It is. Well, um, so I was going to say that even though you're asking about things that are not related to AI, AI is such a big umbrella that in many ways, you know, getting, keeping my AI hat on in order to understand the opportunities and the challenges of AI in the world, we're going to need all that stuff too. I mean, so for example, AI right now, ChatGPT requires massive, unthinkably massive amounts of computation power unthinkably amounts of uh, massive amounts of data. You know, how is all that data stored? How is it stored more efficiently? How do we do that learning with less data? Um, how do we do the systems part with more efficient like systems architectures that aren't going to have to require, you know, electrical substations of them or for their electrical generation plants just for that? Um, how do we miniaturize some of these systems so that we can carry around them around on our, our phone? How do we make um, opportunities more equal across society so that more people can afford those kinds of devices? And so the, the benefits of AI do not just def, you know, impact some, but really can be something that makes everybody's life better. 
So, and, and there's issues of design. How do we design systems that, um, that communicate with people the way that they want to be communicated with, that explain their reasoning to people so that people can develop trust? Uh, mm-hmm. Joanna mentioned cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is critical to AI and maybe vice versa because how, if these systems are going to be driving us around or making decisions for us, gosh, I want to make sure that those are mm-hmm. secure. Um, and I know you have a broader vision of what's going on in the school. So not everything is AI, but I, a lot of things do touch AI. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, but what you were describing, I think, is a great way to, to think about it in, in a larger sense. You know, so you mentioned, um, you know, systems engineering is going to be incredibly important because we need to develop microelectronic devices that are reliable, um, you know, that can perform for long periods of time and under a lot of different um, circumstances and environments. And so you've heard of the CHIPS Act, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this whole emphasis on recreating, bringing semiconductor technology back to the United States. And, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, the Midwest is a perfect place to do semiconductor engineering. And in fact, most of the majority of the workforce in semiconductors is actually trained in this region, you know, with Purdue and Notre Dame and Illinois and Michigan, for instance, generating all of these uh, graduates in electrical engineering, material science, computer engineering, and so forth, going to the coasts. Um, And there hasn't been much of a tradition for those people to stay here uh, in the Midwest. So we'd really like to change that. You know, that's going to have to be a really important part of it. But computer engineering, uh, microelectronics engineering and design is going to be very, very important. Um, But information sciences, like you were saying, is also incredibly important. Like how you you gather all this data, you have to store it, you have to parse it, you have to make sure that it is usable in some way. it's pretty astonishing when you look at these giant data sets. You think, oh, yeah, you get the data in and you can just, you know, do a little bit of coding and boom, you have all this really great stuff that comes out of it. There's a lot that has to happen on the front end with the data, you know, cleaning the data, making sure that it's in a format that makes a lot of sense. We don't have a lot of policies around how to format that data. I mean, we're still in the process of working that through. Um, if you really think about it, you know, like library sciences, some people might be thinking, why would library sciences be in the school of technology? If you think about it, libraries were the original information and data scientists, right? Dewey Decimal System was a way to kind of keep track of data uh, in its own right. Um, and so that's, that's why they're with us and continuing to, to think about how to archive data, how to archive artifacts, and other kinds of um, physical objects and also digital objects is an important piece of this as well. Listening to both of you makes me wish I could go back to college. (laughs) It's time to be a student, right? So many wonderful things being explored, so many great problems to solve. I want to pull on that thread a little bit and ask you both, um, if you were giving advice to a college student who was getting ready to embark on their studies at Luddy in this opportunity-rich environment. What are some of the things you would say? I know we've got a lot of parents listening to who are trying to figure out how to advise their kids, given that AI and all the things we've been talking about have suddenly maybe upset the apple cart and they're not quite sure what the future looks like. What advice would you give to parents and to folks getting ready to go to college? I think, um, so 
a couple of answers. One answer is I think even though um, AI and technology is changing rapidly and maybe you don't know like which programming language you should learn this year because you know, in two years there might be something totally different. What does stay the same are like foundational important skills, like how to solve problems, like yeah. how to figure out what's going wrong and try to fix it systematically. Like, um, you know, basic skills about math, basic skills about writing, basic skills about presenting things to the world. I mean, those are really important no matter what. And I don't care how chat GPT, how powerful chat GPT gets, like we're still going to need good human to human communication skills, good problem solving skills in order to make an impact. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, the advice that I would give people is to, you know, try to study. My children are both in, in science. Um, one son did information science and he has this amazing job now working in this field. My daughter is studying environmental sciences. And I think that, um, you know, being technologically savvy is, is really important. So shameful plug, study information science, data science here at the Luddy School of Informatics. Uh, you know, sorry, cut that out. <laughs> cut that out. Cut out the shameful plug. Anyway, um, so I would say that students really need to think about going into a technology um, driven field. Uh, I think that, you know, all of the different professions uh, really do need technologically savvy people. And that maybe you don't want, maybe you do want to major in, in English, say, but also take some um, technological uh, feels with that. You know, do a minor in data science. It, it could be incredibly helpful. Um, for instance, there is a professor here who, um, what he does is he studies the Victorian novel using artificial intelligence. He looks at a corpus of 12,000 different novels and he's able to, you know, do some really interesting scholarship using technology. Um, and it's the Victorian novel, right? So no matter what you're going to be studying, um, having that technological bent to it makes a ton of sense. And so I, I strongly encourage students to, to do that. Outstanding. I think that's terrific advice. Also sounds like coming to the Luddy School to study would not be a bad idea either. I think that would be it excellent. It would not be a bad idea. Yeah. And just to add on that, I think there's not like one kind of student here. So it's not like, oh, you know, if you think I don't really like math, so I shouldn't go to, to Luddy School or I don't really like programming or I don't can't imagine like building circuits or something like that. I mean, many of our students are not doing that. Many of our faculty are not doing that. They're looking very broadly at how to develop technology, but how to apply it, but understanding its effect on society, under its understanding its effect on, society, uh, on, on law and other kinds of domains and its history and so on. Like there's a very broad umbrella of people here. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. So I, I want to use that as a bridge to how businesses can partner with the Luddy School, I think. It's very similar, um, not unlike our kids who are figuring out where to go to college and what their path is. Businesses are also finding their models transformed and trying to understand how they can tap into that expertise to learn from and collaborate just the way your students do. How can businesses that are going in a variety of technical directions, not just AI, work closely with the Luddy School to inform their work and to collaborate? Well, as it happens, uh, the Luddy School is really going deep into customer discovery right now to try to understand what is it that the local industry needs. 
you know, not, not just in Indiana, but beyond, but we're focusing very much on Indiana for now. But we want to be working with industry to provide them with the kinds of graduates that, that they really need. And I don't want to hear from, from industrial partners, yeah, you know, just send me as many computer engineers as you can. That's not what I'm interested in. Uh, we want to hear, like, what are the skills that you are specifically looking for? So in addition to, you know, being a critical thinker and, you know, to be creative and things like that, like, what are the specific skills? Because I think that um, sometimes we get kind of caught up in labels. Electrical engineering has been around for 200 years, right? Um, and it has a specific curriculum associated with it, which is great. But we're trying to actually be, you know, the school of the 21st century. So what are the disciplines that we really need now? You know, and, and maybe we need to be creating new disciplines um, in addition to like the big ones. Maybe we should be um, churning out students who, in addition to having, you know, like understanding circuits and understanding programming, also have courses in, in ethics and law, which, yes, many engineers take courses in ethics, but, you know, specifically like with a lawyerly kind of approach. Maybe we should also be teaching psychology courses. You know, maybe, you know, what is really needed in industry is some real leadership development that sometimes is incorporated in engineering and computational kind of curriculum, but not always. So I think that, uh, you know, what we're doing is in talking with, the, with industrial partners, we want to partner with them on developing the kinds of curricula that are going to make our students employable more quickly in their fields. Absolutely. Just want to connect that to a, we had another interview on the circuit this morning over at the mill and they were pointing out the traffic that they're seeing now from founders exploring, reworking every business model with AI and recently saw in the MIT technology review, MIT's projection that 10,000 startups a year will be founded each year between now and 30 in 2030 centered around the application of data and artificial intelligence to reworking business models. So I think talent is absolutely a part of the equation. I know there are many other ways in which Indiana University and the Letty School partners with enterprises to support them. I wanted to invite you to speak to some of those other additional ways that you can work with startups and corporate venturing organizations that are trying to explore what digital transformation leads to their startup or to their enterprise. So for AI specifically, um, I'd invite anyone who's interested in such a thing to contact me because we have this new Luddy AI Center and that center has multiple missions, but one of them is to sort of be the front door for the university about AI. And so if people have questions about how they can engage with us, if they are looking for faculty experts in particular topics, if they're looking for you know, students either to hire or to involve in internships or experiential learning or something like that. I mean, that would be a great place to, to start. And Joanna has the scope uh, of the whole school as well. Right, exactly. Um, I think that another piece of this is, you know, we, we do need to partner with places like the mill. You know, like I would love to see, you know, if there were research groups um, that are developing AI that can then go over to the mill or to TechPoint and like talk through some of the ideas because, you know, as a fellow academic, sometimes we get so caught up in like the science behind it that we forget or don't notice the commercial applications, you know? And so having these kinds of 
partners in, is going to be incredibly important, both so that, you know, the inventor or the scholar can can figure out what the market might need from from people out in the market. And also so that people out in the market who have an idea can talk to scholars and figure out what is actually uh, possible uh, technologically and um, maybe even ethically and, and so forth. So that kind of partnership is, is really going to be important as well. Yeah, that's great. So I want to shift a little bit, um, keep a thread for you. Indianapolis, we have a lot of viewers who are in the tech community and other communities in central Indiana. I know there's terrific energy around what's happening with Indiana University at Indianapolis and the exploded version or the broadened version of the Luddy School in central Indiana, just that adjacency, being sure. able to be embedded in the community and now have more interactions and collisions and collaborations between enterprise and other sectors and the Luddy School. Um, if you could both, want to invite both of you to talk a little bit about the vision for the Indianapolis campus and what Letty School in India is going to be doing. You want to start with uh, Lake? Yeah, sure. So um, we have Lake, the Letty AI Center, and the Letty AI Center has a home here in Bloomington and has a home in Indianapolis as well. And um, there, we're you know these are new organizations. We're still sort of feeling out exactly what they will do. Um, but I think the, they, for example, will have um, somewhat different. Um, different emphases because here in Bloomington, we're very well known for the arts and the humanities and psychology and all of the things that um, Joanna mentioned. In Indianapolis, there is, of course, the, the medical school and other kinds of, you know, very well-known schools there. And so I think they'll sort of naturally find the, 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 the things that resonate with them. And then I see Lake as a way of us sort of bridging the two campuses in a way that probably hasn't happened as much in the past because AI is such a big problem. It has so many opportunities and so many challenges um, that you know, the more people we have working and finding connections together, I think the, the better. Yeah, and um, I'm super excited about what's going on up in Indianapolis as well. Um, we're going to be establishing a computer science department. As a matter of fact, I think that just last week we were approved uh, by the state to have a computer science department. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And we're starting to do a little bit of hiring. Um, and, you know, some people ask the question, like, why would we need a computer science department at uh, IU Indy when Purdue is still, you know, just a few doors down from us? Well, again, I mean, if you think about how many people we need to do computer science and coding, chat GBT not standing. <laughs> Well, even with ChatGPT. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, we still need so many people who, who know how to do computer programming and computer science. So there's plenty of work, plenty of work to do and plenty of students to go around. Um, one of the things that I would really like to do, you know, like in this, the same idea that I said before, is I want to make sure that our computer science curriculum is as accessible and achievable the most accessible and the most achievable in the country. So uh, computer science has uh, the reputation of being one of the hardest majors. And that's not just on this campus, that's pretty much nationwide. Um, and it also has a reputation, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but like computer science majors are like major nerds. Never heard that, what? Yeah, I know, <laughs> shocking. Um, and so what we'd like to do is we'd like to change the curriculum so that more students can be successful at it. 
Uh, right now, we have fairly high rates of students who withdraw from these classes, higher than average. We'd like to do some redesign and rethinking of the curriculum to make sure that students can get through the material and can pass these courses, move through these introductory courses and continue on in computer science. Um, because it's just, we can't afford to be losing students in these domains. If students want to learn, we should be able to create a cur curriculum that is technically excellent, but still achievable um, by a wider range of students. Absolutely. Great to hear you're working on that. I, I know TechPoint's familiar with the statistics that in Indiana, we lose 75% of all students by the time they leave middle school in terms of thinking that there's a place for them in tech, that they could major in computer science or engineering or something else. And having a better, more compelling curriculum is certainly part of the equation. Right. Just telling these exciting stories, I think, is part of the equation as well, helping folks realize you can solve interesting problems, change the world, work with cool people. Right. That is absolutely part of the story as well. So this has been a great conversation, and I want to thank you for all of your time. I want to make sure that you both have the chance to add your exclamation mark. So of the things that we've talked about or um, something important that we didn't get to in the course of our conversation, what exclamation mark statement would you like to make as we wrap up our conversation today? So we, we brought up ChatGPT, and there's a lot of excitement out there and there's a lot of fear about how maybe it's going to take over everything and it's going to put everyone out of work or no, no longer any programmers and stuff. Um, my personal view is that ChatGPT is a really wonderful tool and but we, we're just scratching the surface of what it is and what its impact will be. And, uh, you know, it, it does many things very well. It does many other things very poorly. And so just like any new technology, you know, it's not like it's sort of is the end of what we're trying to do here by any means. I think it's just the beginning of figuring out what is possible with this. And so we need, we need many more people to come and help us and help uh, AI and technology in general across the country understand what are the challenges and what are the opportunities and how can we really make not only ChatGPT, but all of this AI technology something that benefits us all. I can't improve upon that. That was very well said. <laughs> Outstanding. That's a great exclamation mark to end on. Well, Joanna, David, thank you for being with us on the circuit. It is exciting to hear about all of the wonderful things that are happening in the Letty School, both in Bloomington and in Indianapolis, and invite everybody to come and to contact you and find out how they can either study at Letty or uh, partner more closely. Thank you. thank you so much.